Hey guys, it's Scott from fxmissions.com. Just a note, I've finished the trilogy of anthologies from the forefront, and all three books are currently available on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. We are privileged today to be joined for a second time by Ernie Peacock of Peacock Ministries. As we learned last time, Ernie's in the process of planting a new church in Guadalajara, Mexico. That's central Mexico, if you guys are not familiar. Really big city, kind of a tech sector, if you will, for Mexico. I've been there a few times, really enjoyed being there. And we're excited about what Ernie's doing there. We're really excited when we found out about him and what he's planning. They're about to plant a ministry and church there and are putting together their team now. I think official kickoff is going to be January 1st, 2018. So be in prayer for Ernie and for Sandra. I hope you enjoy this. As you are listening, I encourage you to kind of keep your ear tuned, if you will, for what Ernie learned on his first trip, his first short-term missions trip. Very interesting story. Some challenges that he faced and some things he overcame about his process. Really what I appreciate about this time we shared with Ernie is that he described his process on how he got started, how he felt the calling, and how he overcame and got launched over 30 years ago now it was. So hope you enjoy this podcast with Ernie Peacock. And thanks again for being with us. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your From the Forefront monthly podcast. And thanks for joining us. I'd like to say also welcome and thanks for joining us to Ernie Peacock. He's back with us for our, our second of two interviews. We had the privilege of uh, interviewing Ernie a little bit earlier and we had more material than we, we can cover, so we'd like to say a big thank you, Ernie, for coming back and joining us again. Well, thank you, Scott. It's great to be back with you on air and uh, enjoyed our first go-round and looking forward to to this next, next segment. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you much. Well, Ernie, just a little bit, if we can, from a summary standpoint, I know we did this in the previous podcast, but in case people hear this one before they heard the other one, uh, Tell us a little bit about you, just a quick summary about yourself, your ministry, maybe a little bit about your family, what you've done and what you're about to do. If we could do that, just to give people a little familiarity that might hear this one first. Scott, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, first, my wife, uh, Sandra, and I have been married for 35 years. Wow. We have uh, three three grown children who were raised pretty much their most of their uh, lives uh, on the mission field. Mm. in Mexico and Southern Mexico. Sandra and I have been on the on working full-time in missions for 30 years. We started out in Southern Mexico, uh, spent the first 17 years of our lives there, our missionary lives anyway, our career. And mm. then we moved on to uh, work with a couple of uh, great international ministries, the Book of Hope, which is now called One Hope. Uh, it's God's Word for Every Child, uh, just doing a phenomenal job reaching children of the world, the youth of the world with, with the gospel. 
We served with them throughout Latin America for a couple of years. And then we moved on to another great uh, ministry that's uh, having a, a great impact, which is called Convoy of Hope. And uh, they're based out of Springfield, Missouri, but they are, mm. they're a, a national, they work nationally, disasters, disaster mm. relief uh, response, uh, as well as uh, internationally. And uh, so we traveled throughout Latin America uh, with Convoy of Hope for about four years. And then uh, we just finished a term in Spain. Uh, we were working with the, uh, the Assemblies of God National Church. It's a, it was a national church planting sh- strategy to plant a thousand new churches by the end of the year 2020. And uh, so we just served there in that great country for three years, helping them to roll out that initiative. And uh, they're doing a great job. In the last four and a half years, close to 500 new churches and preaching points have been established there. And so uh, we uh, just got back and are on our way returning back to Guadalajara, Mexico. And Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be there in January uh, of 2018 to begin to uh, prepare a a launch uh, initiative for an international church. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, I've been in ministry for 35 years uh, as well. Uh, And, uh, you know, the Lord's been very, very good to us. We, we've been able to, to see a lot of things in our lifetime and it's just always a joy serving Jesus. Absolutely. Well, thanks for, thanks for giving us the, the rundown. Also really appreciate your faithfulness to what you're doing. I mean, it speaks, I think mostly who we work with at FX missions from the forefront is an FX mission. FX missions or foundational missions production is younger people. And so, you know, it's people who are getting started. FX missions will send their first missionary later this year. So we're working. That's our, that's our target. You know, that's the people we're working with. The example you guys are providing is such a blessing for people that have persisted. Sadly, you know, not everybody does no accusation in that from, from my perspective, I know there are a lot of things that can take people off the field, but, you know, also one thing that comes to mind for me and with us is that uh, often the first or most difficult step, if you will, is the first step in launching out. So I'm, I'm interested. Could you describe for us your missionary calling? I'm guessing that you had a punctuated moment in time mm-hmm. more than 35 years ago or or close to 35 years ago when you realized, hey, I'm going to do this is has an international uh, aspect to it. What God's right. calling me to. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I'd be glad to. Actually, Scott, my salvation experience and my calling almost went hand in hand. Wow. And, you know, I, I grew up in Houston. Mm-hmm. My parents weren't religious mm-hmm. whatsoever. They were wonderful people who loved us uh, immensely, but we had no religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. I got involved in drugs, uh, became a drug dealer, a drug addict, had a lot of clashes with uh, the local and and county police and not proud of any of that. I I mentioned that to say, that's my background. That's where I came from. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, uh, I I was able to leave Houston. It wasn't 
voluntarily. Basically, I had a I had a contract out of my life, and oh. so I had to leave the Houston area. Yeah, yes, I'm laughing now, but <laughs> not then <laughs> for sure. Wow. Yeah, I, I went down to South Padre Island, Port Isabel. I was into surfing, uh, and I met a young man who shared his faith with me in a, in a very practical way. And I, I saw it over a period of about a year lived out in his mm-hmm. life. Uh, just to make the story short, this, this friend invited me to church. I went to a church. It was a, a church service. I was very interested in what the message was about. And I knew that at that point I had pretty much hit rock bottom and was looking for a change in my life. And, uh, I, Went back to an evening service with him that night, October 4th, 1981, uh, a month before my 23rd birthday. And I had a power encounter with Jesus Christ. Wow. At that moment, I had a second Corinthians 517 experience. Mm. I was a new creature in Christ and old things were passed away. All things became new. From that moment on, I, I was a changed man. A couple of months later, I was invited. As a matter of fact, the young man that was preaching the night that I got gave my heart to the Lord took me on a missions trip down to southern Mexico. It was a combination of missions because we, you know, took things to give away. We took Bibles and tracts, but it was also a surf trip, missions surf trip. Cool. So, Very cool. Uh, yeah, the best kind. The best kind <laughs> of so it was on that trip. It would have been a 24-hour drive from the border mm-hmm. to get down to the Pacific coast. It took us six days, Scott, to get there. Wow. And uh, exactly. We we broke down in every little nook and cranny, Pueblo, <laughs> Rancho, uh, between the border and, and southern uh, the Pacific coast. Wow. But the scripture, I love the scripture, says all things work together for the good to them who love God and yes. are called according to his purpose. Yes. It was while we were broken down on the side of the road, just south of Guadalajara, Mexico, about an hour up in the mountains, again, on the side of the road, sitting around a a campfire. Basically, we broke down there so we didn't have many options that the the Holy Spirit spoke to to me uh, in a very personal way. And I looked across the campfire and the person that was I was with his name just happens to be Scott as well. Scott Stripling. (laughs) And I said, Scott, I said, Scott, God just spoke to me. And he looked at me. He goes, really? What did he say? I responded. I said, he, he told me to preach the gospel. At that moment, I knew that that was a, a God calling moment in my life into ministry to forsake what I was doing and to, to, to pursue the ministry and, you know, I didn't really feel at that exact moment that the vocational call was to missions. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the Lord, maybe he knew that would be a little, a bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was still single at the time. So, you know, it, it just, at that moment, it wasn't in the equation. But as we progressed in the trip and finally reached our destination and began to see how the Lord was was working just through, you know, two young men who could barely speak any Spanish, uh, if any at all, <laughs> but how the Lord used us on that trip. And I, I think I, at that moment, it, I, I caught the bug, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just knew that at some point in time, uh, I was going to come back to Mexico as a missionary. Mm. Yes. Very, very cool. And I mean, I, I can relate so personally, uh, to what you're saying, especially the, 
two guys uh, who can't speak Spanish who are somewhere off the grid in Mexico. That describes <laughs> a number of experiences I've had with, I, I uh, relate to that. And, it, and, it, you know, it, the Lord says, go and I'll be with you. Right. And I mean, that yeah, to me sure. is, that's the key to the impact that he intends the obe- obedience piece, right? We're, If he's with us, wow, what's going to, what's going to, all kind of stuff, all kind of great stuff is going to happen. The kingdom of God is going to come near and be visible. I just thank God for that. Very encouraging. Uh, Thanks for sharing that with us. My heart was warmed as you were, as you were sharing that and powerful stuff. I appreciate that. So up to this point in the story you've gotten out of the trade of the drug industry you you mm-hmm. met the lord you took a mission surf trip the the best kind and you of course had struggles in getting to the coast did you guys make it to uh did you make it to uh, the coast we we did scott uh we made it on the 7th day and you know through that whole trip especially as a young believer, you know, I, I'd only, I'd only given my heart to the Lord about three months prior mm-hmm. and the Lord at every turn revealed himself mm-hmm. in a, in a very powerful way. And so I think the Lord was, was actually building my faith leading up to that moment to respond to the call that he had upon my life. I mean, it was, I knew that I knew that I knew that, that who was speaking to me and exactly what it was that I was supposed to do. So yes, uh, fortunately for us, we did uh, make it down, enjoyed some great surf as well, mm. and uh, led a lot of people to Christ. Absolutely. That's, you know, that that's uh, kind of the best of both worlds there, it sounds like. I mean, <laughs> this the I don't know where you guys were, but I remember with such distinction the first time I spent any time at the southern Pacific coast of Mexico. Just so beautiful and so magical. Just a just a wonderful place to be. And then of course to have the the mission that you were on to not only really enjoy the area, but but to uh, impact people for the gospel. That's uh Amen. The Lord blesses us with things like that and uh, memories we'll never forget. Well, he does. And, you know, our whole missions experience is just, you know, has been phenomenal. We we get to go places and, and meet people and, and eat food mm-hmm. and just have life experiences that we, we never would have and nor yeah. our children yeah. had we not uh, answered the call to go. Absolutely. So we're, we're, we feel privileged in every way. Yeah. Richness to life that that comes there, there that that. Uh, Maybe that's the only way you can get it. That's uh, that's beautiful. So let's fast forward. Well, you know, Scott. It, excuse me for inter- inter- interrupting, but this is I, I this is why uh, I encourage people who are even contemplating uh, missions, and even if they're not, if they're just just they want to serve and they want to make a difference, to take a short term mission missions trip, mm-hmm. not not a sightseeing trip, but right. to really, you know, go to a place where you can get your hands dirty. It's not about taking pictures with the orphans. It's right. about feeding the orphans. You know, it's mm-hmm. about building a structure for the orphans. It's, mm-hmm. you know, getting your hands dirty, having that experience because it it really enriches not just your personal life, but your spiritual life. As right. Well. Absolutely. I, I, that has been 
my experience and I've seen it, I've seen it over and over work just that way. Thanks for, thanks for that encouragement. Certainly. Let's fast forward a little bit here. Probably we're going to go over some years time. I want to just think about specifically when you guys were staged up to go on your first sort of longer term, I'm guessing by that time you're married. I don't know if you've got kids at that point, but you're getting ready to shove off, if you will, take up permanent residence in a different locale. Tell us a little bit about that time and specifically what challenges were you facing in that transition? What, if anything, did you have to overcome to complete sort of that first big step in missions? Well, you know, that's a that's a, a good question. And just to give you a little bit of background, just two months after I got back from Mexico on that first trip that I just described mm-hmm. where I was called into ministry, I met my wife. Mm. Uh, I met Sandra, led her to the Lord. As a matter of fact, we were engaged on the eighth day after our meeting and married two months later. Oh, awesome. And yeah, that that's a whole nother uh, segment. <laughs> but uh, exactly. But uh, using that, everything in my life was very quick from from salvation to the call to to the preparation to to meeting my wife and then and then marriage. And so uh, I knew I knew we were going to end up on the mission field. We we discussed that before we got married, and so she. Uh, she pretty much gave herself over to that. And I, you know, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for that. But now you fast forward about five years, uh, we're youth pastoring at a church in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. We take a missions trip. We, we join, uh, take our youth along with another church group. We go down to Southern Mexico, uh, between Puerto Vallarta and the, the city of Nayarit, uh, Tepic, Nayarit on the coast. Oh, yeah. I know. Very. Yeah, very rough area, very rugged at the time. We're talking about 1986. Mm. And so um, Sandra at that at that point was uh, four months pregnant with our first child. Mm. And she was also accompanying us on that trip. And so unfortunately, the second night, every it was just a very rugged time for everyone. As a matter of fact, most of our, our young people spent more time in the hotel room than they did actually out on the street ministering. Mm -hmm. And I learned how not to do a missions trip on that, (laughs) on, on that trip. But uh, yeah. yeah. So that was an educational experience, but unfortunately (laughs) the second night Sandra went into labor, she labored all night and she thought she just got sick like everybody else and had stomach problems. But she actually gave birth to a four-month uh, old oh. child, four-month premature oh. baby, and so fortunately there was a doctor in the in the congregation. His wife was pregnant, and so everything was taken care of. But it still was it's still a traumatic experience, oh, wow. and uh, everyone handles trauma differently. And not to in in our case, again, we go back to Romans eight twenty six. That all things work together for the mm-hmm. good. Uh, yes. You know, Sandra was. Matter of fact, we were back in service this, that same night. By the evening, we were back in service. She was singing in the choir, and it was like she didn't miss a step. And it wasn't that we were not uh, mourning the loss of our uh, our, our you know four month old pre- premature born child. It's mm-hmm. just that 
just God's grace just it filled us. His joy filled us. And we were happy to, to be there doing what we sense God was calling us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way we dealt with it. Mm-hmm. When we got on the bus at the end of the week, I remember looking back at the hotel room where our child was born. And it was kind of like the Lord spoke to Sandra and myself simultaneously because I looked over at her and she looked at me. And it was like the Lord put it in both of our hearts that we were coming back because we had invested something there. Mm. And so that's kind of the the background to you fast forward about six months Mm -hmm. from that point. And we found ourselves, the church we were working with merged with another church. Mm -hmm. And so I was, my, my job as a youth pastor at that particular church was coming to an end. And Mm -hmm. so my, my friend, Scott, going back Mm -hmm. to Scott, Scott Stripling called Uh me up, just didn't really know what was going on and invited me to take another missions trip uh, with him and a young man to another area in Southern Mexico. So I went with Scott. We went down and ministered, had a great week of ministry, but on the way back, probably about three hours on the road, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to go back to this place. It was mm-hmm. Atoyac de Alvarez in the state of Guerrero, a very mm-hmm. rough place, one of the most mm-hmm. violent places in the country and a lot of a lot of uh, drug industry there, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of violence. And so when I got back, we, we, we did make the trip back to the border without any, any trouble, fortunately. And I told Sandra, I said, Sandra, I know where we're going. God's called us to go to missions uh, and go down to Southern Mexico and be missionaries. And, you know, she didn't blink an eye. It was like, wow. well, where are we going? How are we going to get there? Which leads <laughs> me to some of your questions. And it was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, but I do know that God's called us and he will open the door. He will provide. And so we began to pray and fast. And about three weeks later, because the, the people, that, the mission that we were going down to serve, they didn't even know anything. I hadn't contacted them. Mm-hmm. They had no clue that the Lord had spoken to me about going back and working with them. And three weeks later, I get a call from the director of the mission there. And he said, Ernie, I just, we've been praying and feel like the Lord wants us to open a door for you and your wife to come and work with us. <laughs> it's like, okay, here, I've been wondering how I'm going to call you and let you know, but, but God had all the bases covered. And so at that, at that point we were, uh, I was ordained with the Assemblies of God and we have a wonderful uh-huh. missions program, the Assemblies mm-hmm. of God World Missions, which we are currently yeah. a part of and yeah. have been for about 27 years. I approached our lead district leadership and said, look, we feel God's calling us to go to missions. Do we pursue the, the denominational track, which we're not really a denomination, but the, the organizational track? Mm-hmm. Or do we go through this door that God seems to be opening for us? Mm-hmm. We truly wanted their counsel and we're willing to submit to what it was, whatever counsel they gave us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and very wise men. And they said, listen, God's opened this door for you because had we gone through the organizational track, it would have taken us three years to actually get on the mission field. Right. And right. Cause you got to raise your support. We raise our own support. Unlike some uh, other missions agencies, 
So we had to raise our support, go to language mm-hmm. school and all that. And so uh, they said, look, if God's opened this door for you, we feel you should walk through it. We will, we will support you as much as we can. You know, we'll throw our weight behind you and the call that God has on your, your life. Gave me some sound advice to, to start our own, uh, become a, a corp, incorporate to get our 501c3. Mm-hmm. And so we began to, we be, that's yeah. what we did. Things began to move very quickly. We raised again prayerfully, Lord. But well, another another uh, little caveat. Sandra by that time uh, was pregnant with uh, with our our second child, which is now our our oldest child, oldest son. He just turned thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Now we're 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 itinerating for three. Just asking the Lord, what do we need, Lord? <laughs> we're, we're trusting in you. You know what we need. And he gave us a, a sum of money. It was $500 in monthly mm. support. I mean, we're, we're talking about 1987, but still, right. for three people back then, wasn't a whole lot of money. <laughs> Fortunately, we we raised that support in about eight months. And wow. by October of that year, we were crossing the border with a three-month-old baby and everything we owned inside of a Suburban, which wasn't much. And we made it down to the mission uh, October Third October fourth of nineteen uh, nineteen eighty seven, and that and that's how we went. We just didn't look back, Scott. We we mm-hmm. knew that God called us, and I'm not saying that there weren't some challenges. That sure, and I guess because the enemy, the devil is going to be there. The enemy is going to be there, kind of like he did with with Adam and Eve in the garden. Did the Lord really say this? Right, you know? right. And right. so yeah, there were there were times when we were. I think we kind of says is this the best thing to do? And of course our parents were there saying, what are you doing? You can't take a three month old child down to the jungles of Southern Mexico. And, but, but we had that assurance in our heart and we, we knew God again, who had revealed himself to us time and time again was the one who called us and made that very clear. And it just, it just seemed to come together, be the right thing to do. We followed what we felt the the leading of the spirit speaking to our hearts, uh, and we and we went, mm. and that's how we got started. What a powerful story! And you know that the layers that we could peel back are. <laughs> we're going to have to do this over a coffee in Guadalajara. <laughs> I can see that now. There you go. There you yeah, go. I look forward to that. But super powerful. There a few other questions I want to ask, and, and we might have to. We might have to uh, compress it a little, little bit. I really appreciate your transparency and everything you're sharing and probably won't get to all my questions because of the richness of your responses. So thank you for that. Um, well, I'll try to keep them a little more concise. <laughs> no, you're doing, you're doing awesome. Thank you. I'm, okay, I'm enjoying you. it very much. You know, th- this, this podcast uh, from the forefront was launched out of Leadership Moment, which is another podcast that we do that's just basically leadership nuggets from different folks who've had experience mm-hmm. and and who've been out there doing it. Uh, it's a short 10-minute weekly, and this podcast is, you know, of course, a 40-minute format, and we we do it once a month. But uh, as it's been birthed out of, if you will, leadership, we try to double back and say or try to get a take on leadership from a perspective uh, that's unique. And in your case, we know you've uh, you spent a good bit of time in uh, – you know, Southern Mexico, you've also spent time in the States and leadership capacities, and you've spent 
a lot of time overseas as well. I'm thinking specifically in Europe, and I think you guys were coming obviously from Spain. Mm-hmm. When it comes to multicultural experience with leadership, how has that changed your perspective? Maybe there was some specific moments of revelation that you've had or something that impacted you about the context you're working in being different maybe than the one you're raised in and how did that how has that informed your perspective of leadership and how has it changed it you know every culture is different obviously that that enriches the people of who they are but and i think we all also have flaws Every mm-hmm. culture is flawed. Sure. Coming from a, a multicultural perspective, especially when you when you're coming out of a Latin American setting, uh, mm-hmm. Mexico, yeah, uh, might to to kind of channel that down a little bit. It is very different. You're going from Mexico, coming back to the states, and then then working in Europe. Mm. I, I think there are some basic leadership principles that that never change. I mean, they're mm-hmm. universal principles, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being uh, integrity. Yes. And what I have noticed is that it's possible, especially when working in a Latin American, in, in, well, in any culture, in any culture, integrity is, I think, is is the measurement. I mean, you we must be in te- in, in integrous people. Yes. Because w- without that, we have no platform to stand upon. Mm-hmm. We've worked in situations where I guess you could say that some, maybe some of their, because of the flaws, the, their leadership, there are their, the, the mentoring process was inadequate. Yeah. Uh, and, and the second and third generation of that process are without lacking the process or a fa- flawed process. It only gets worse. But mm. I believe that God, and I'm not saying everybody we've worked with have, have had that situation. Sure. sure. But I, I think the Lord desires to raise up a new generation mm. of men and women in positions of leadership that, that have integrity. And yeah. if, if we're the ones mentoring that, then we also must really look inside and see what's coming out of us and what we're pouring into other people. Mm. Coming from a a European standpoint, people, people want to, I think as a leader, it's important that we be open regardless of what the context is, is that we, that we be open to listening to different ideas. Mm. Because if you look, we, we had people in our church from, from China. We had people from Africa. We had people from the Philippines, from other European uh, areas. Uh, and they, they all, they, they all coming out of their cultural context, they all bring a different perspective. And so when you, when you have that, that salad bowl type of leadership, then <laughs> you're, you're going to have a little bit of, of everything. But the idea is to to listen, to be open, and then come back to those universal points of leadership where we can we can find a happy medium and then lead from that standpoint. My right. my way, especially especially coming from a North American standpoint, you know, we think we have 
it's our way or the highway. You know, we, <laughs> we, we do things better. We're smarter. We're more advanced. Uh, right. And that's not always the case. Right. Uh, right. And, and the sad thing is, Scott, is when we come into, especially an inter, in, uh, multicultural uh, situation with that or working as missionaries on a foreign field, when we come in with that mentality, then we do ourselves more harm than we do good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not that we, not that we don't do things better or not that we might not have an edge, uh, on the market in a particular area. But mm-hmm. if, if we're not open to, to input coming from their cultural perspective, then I think we hinder the work instead of help advance the work because everybody's got something positive to 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 put in the mix. Absolutely. I mean every culture I think as in endowed by God has a contribution. And yes. you know and every culture has a need, right? And I think that's Exactly. That's the beauty of multi multicultural leadership, but without the right perspective it can also be its biggest challenge. So I, I, I think about is sadly, <laughs> but to no real surprise to myself, I've had some what I w- what I call big gringo moments in Latin America, <laughs> <laughs> you know, of the kind that you so graciously, uh, you know, alluded to. I just I have had some some times where I was my own worst enemy or where I was tracking from a perspective <laughs> that of the kind you described. Or I encountered inconveniences that in my culture, in my 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 native or my born culture, my home culture, had mm-hmm. already resolved. Yeah, I think that's been a real big challenge for me. When I ran into inconveniences that I that wouldn't, I mean, you know, it's like, can't you people get this worked out? Right. <laughs> what are we doing here? You know, and that to me is times where I've been most non-exemplary of any of all is when I was okay. having a big Grigo moment in, in Latin America where I was uh, not behaving in an exemplary way and where I got frustrated by things really that, that people in the culture are having to deal with day by day. So I think right. that's an introduction to some of the challenges that other cultures uh, are, are facing or that other people groups are facing every day. I think if we look at that in a mature way, we can get, it can help us cultivate an understanding for what people are up against. But if not, if we just go, God, how can you, you know, it, you know, in that way we can be, if we're less than understanding and not using it as an opportunity to be educated, <laughs> right. we, we can do something far different. And thankfully I haven't had too many of those, but I, some are do not escape me. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, you know, l- culture affects uh, leadership practice in many ways. And mm. you know, if you go to look at Mexico, for example, Latin America in general, yeah, they're very non-confrontive people, mm. e- even in leadership. They just they're very non-confrontive. But then you go to the other side of the pond and you're in Europe and the Spaniards, <laughs> they're completely opposite. I mean, they love confrontation. Wow. Uh, as a matter of, matter of fact, you think you can watch a, a five or six uh, Spaniards conversing on the sidewalk and you think they're actually getting ready to have a knockdown drag out, but they're just having a normal conversation. <laughs> and so, you know, your culture does affect 
have an influence on your leadership practices. And, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. I mean, every, people lead differently, but again, going back, there are some universal uh, leadership principles, but I think the greatest principle that, that is universal that we can, can't get wrong in any culture is the servant leadership principle. Mm, and that is absolutely. We, God's not called us to straighten all their problems out over there. He's called yes. us to go and to serve those people. And that's, that's what we try to try to do. That is that there's such beauty in that. And, and, you know, the Lord, you know, made that a very, he directly made the case and the context for servant leadership. And I think the more and more and more that works into our hearts and lives, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Christ-like quality uh, Mm -hmm. that, that I think we grow into and, and we can, and, you know, there's a lot of growth opportunity in that. I, I don't say that from a perspective I have reached. I can't see the end for where I'm at by any means, but I do want to continue to grow into the Christ likeness, the servant leadership that is an expression of Christ himself, who was king of heaven. You know, he, he you know, right. how, how did, at what level did he humble himself to join us here in our struggle and to redeem us uh, by his own yeah, blood? I mean, that's a different uh episode as well but really 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 appreciate you being with us again a cup of coffee in guadalajara very soon of course uh after you get there we'll i'll, I'll chase you down january scott we'll be there. absolutely awesome well i'm gonna be in uh i'm gonna be in guanajuato next month and uh, well, actually, by the time this podcast publishes, it'll be this month. We're gonna we've got a young leaders event we're doing down there, so we're looking awesome. really forward to that. And we'll, it'll get us close to where you're going to be. There'll be some follow up. Typically, we'll do a year over year young leaders event. Sometimes we move it around geographically, but we'll certainly be in touch. And uh, really, again, appreciate you being with us. If you don't mind taking just a second to let folks know how to get in touch with you, if someone wants to double back, learn about team opportunities you guys might have or what you guys are doing in general, or if someone wants to contribute to your efforts or actually get involved, what's the best way, Ernie? Well, Scott, the, the, the easiest way would be just to go to our website, which is mm-hmm. uh, Peacock, P-E-A-C-O-C-K, like the bird, peacockministries.org. Uh-huh. And, uh, that will, they'll find a link there that they can communicate with us. There's also a giving link there. Uh, it okay. is te- tax deductible, uh, mm-hmm. or they can email me at Ernie Peacock at gmail.com. E-R-N-I-E Peacock at gmail.com. Very, very cool. So peacockministries.org. That's your website. And then your email, as you'd mentioned, we'll try to include that on the notes of this publication. So folks will have that in writing. If when they're listening, they can just click through and email you. Well, please do pass on to Sandra our thanks for lending you to us for a couple of hours here over the past interviews. And we look forward <laughs> to meeting her, maybe more of your family. And uh, if it's okay with you, Ernie, I'd like to just say a prayer as we close for you guys oh, and, your, and your future that. work. Is that okay? Thank you. Yes, we appreciate it. Lord, we thank you for this time that we've shared with Ernie. Lord, we speak a blessing to him and his family and to his work. Lord, we just ask you to provide for him and for the the launching of International Church Guadalajara. We ask you to provide not only the resources, Lord, but the relationships. We ask you to provide the workers. We ask you to provide, Lord, 
everything that's needed. And we ask you to cause people's lives to be enriched. We ask you that the lost would be saved and that people would find your kingdom, Lord, would be alarmed by the presence of a kingdom that they have never considered and that be welcomed there, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Empower Ernie and his family and his team and their work. And we ask it in the name of Jesus and we thank you for it. Amen. 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 We appreciate that. Ernie, thanks again for being with us. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Missions Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast from the forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. Quite a bit of content out there. We hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured on from the forefront because of their forefront missions experience or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.